much worshiping the Lord, but I would ask that you stand one last time in the honor of the reading of the Holy Word of God. Beginning in verse 1, Psalm 91 says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in Him I will trust. Surely He shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with His feathers, and under His wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place. No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. For He shall give His angels charge over you, to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone." You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent you shall trample underfoot. Now, in this psalm, it changes from the psalmist speaking to us to God speaking back to the psalmist. God says, because He has set His love upon me, therefore I will deliver Him. I will set Him on high because He has known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer Him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Now, let us look also quickly at Galatians chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9 and 10 says this, And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season... We shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, we love you this morning. And we are grateful that we love you because you first loved us. God, we come this morning to worship you because you're worthy of all of our worship and praise. And Lord, my heart this morning is in unity with our brother Josh, Father. Let us not hinder You. Let us not quench the Spirit. Let us not be afraid to worship You like You're worthy to be worshipped. God, I ask that You'd anoint me to preach Your Word this morning in the anointing and power of the Holy Spirit. God, I pray, Lord, that You'd move in our hearts. Lord, that You'd encourage us. God, that we would just be reminded how big our God is. You are the Almighty God. You are the Most High. There is none other than You, Lord. And this morning, God, we are in Your hands and we're grateful for that, Lord. God, I pray Your Spirit would rush through this place. I pray for a spirit of renewal. God, for a spirit of strengthening. God, that we would be encouraged this morning. Lord, I pray if there be any here that truly do not know You as Lord and Savior, that today would be the day, God, the veil comes off. Lord, they come to see You for who You are. Lord, they repent of their sins and place their faith in You, Lord. God, we just ask that You'd have Your way with us. God, not the other way around. Lord, we don't know what we need. 
But you know what we need. God, this morning, we pray that You'd have Your way with us. We ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, as today is the day that we are officially um, acknowledging all those that work in any capacity of spiritual leadership, taking the, the Word of God, taking the Gospel, taking Christ to a lost and dying world. Many of you do it uh, outside of this place. Many of you uh, help in some capacity uh, with the ministries within the church. It doesn't matter because there's really only one church. And if you're active for the Lord this morning, we want to honor you. We want to encourage you. And I want to share uh, from my heart this morning, as someone who's been in ministry for 14 years, I just want to encourage you to keep fighting the good fight of faith. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, as we read it, it said, Let us not grow weary while doing good. Let us not grow weary while doing good. This morning, can I tell you that it's easy to grow weary working for God. It is easy to grow weary in doing good. If it weren't easy to grow weary, the Apostle Paul wouldn't have told us and warned us about it. And I assure you that this man who exhausted his life preaching the Gospel, who was shipwrecked, who was beaten three times with stripes, who was, who was persecuted in many capacities... He understood what it was to grow weary. He understood that there is a mindset that we must have. There is an attitude that we must have. There is a focus that we must have if we're going to somehow push through all the difficulties of ministry. And I want to tell you this morning, if you're saved, if you are a Christian this morning in this house, it doesn't matter if you're a pastor. It doesn't matter if what you do. It does not matter who you are, there will come a time when you begin to grow weary. I mean, we live in a world that's hostile to the gospel. And quite frankly, in this old world, as we already heard it mentioned earlier today, when you look around, it is a discouraging world, it is a negative world. Every night the news comes on and they say good night and then, and welcome to the news, and then they give us 30 minutes to an hour of why it's not really a good night at all. It's a bad night. I mean, if you want to get discouraged, just read the news. Any day, any time, don't matter if it's morning news or the noon news or the 6 o'clock news or the 10 o'clock news. If you want to get discouraged, just watch the news. We live in a, in a society and in a day and a time where not only are things negative, but it is so fast-paced. We hardly have time to stop and breathe. We hardly have time to sit down and, and, and just get our mind uh, off of all the, the hustle of life. And I'm telling you, it is easy to grow weary just living in this culture, period. But when you add on top of that, trying to be committed to the call of God on your life, when you add on top of that, trying to do something for the Gospel and trying to love people that at times are unlovely and trying to take the Word of God and put it in the ears of people who might not really want to hear it, when you look at the fact that there is an enemy who wants to destroy the work of God, who is out to stop everything that the church stands for, I'm telling you this morning, it is easy to become weary and discouraged. And I know what it's like the first three or four years of, of being saved. I know what it's like the first couple of years of, of launching a church from the ground up and to be in my mid-twenties and to think to myself, 
I will always just have this energy. I will always be this on fire. I will always be this discouraged. And no matter what comes my way, I'm not going to get weary. I'm not going to get tired. Well, then I got a little older than my 20s. And I had some years of experience. And I found out, you know what? It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter. At some stage, you're going to grow weary. At some stage, you're going to get tired. Whether it's ministry, whether it's waiting on your children to come around and give their hearts to God, whether it's a situation in your marriage you've been praying about for years, whether it's a financial burden that you've been bearing and you just, you've been praying and praying and praying and doing all you can to work harder and work more and it just seems like you're, the wheel is spinning but you're not getting anywhere. I'm telling you, at any stage, any of us, no matter where you're at in life, we can get weary. And that's why Paul, he, he, he said to the church, he said, don't grow weary in well-doing. For in due season we will reap if we faint not. Can I tell you this morning, as I'm just really bearing my heart out to you, if we faint not, it implies that if we do faint, if we do faint, if we do give up, if we do stop, if we decide that it's too hard, if we decide we've just tried too much and it's not worth it, if we get discouraged and we just give up, we might lose everything that we've worked for. And Paul says, keep your eyes on the prize. Remember, there is a reward coming. One of the things the Apostle Paul was always so quick to point out to the church was, listen, God is good. He gives a peace that surpasses understanding. There's joy that's unspeakable. But brothers and sisters, don't ever forget, we're only pilgrims here. Don't spend your life trying to build your pilgrimage here. Understand we are citizens of a heavenly kingdom. We are citizens of a heavenly city. And we are to keep our focus on the reality that there is coming a day when we'll stand face to face with the One who died for us. And on that day, I assure you that all the heartaches of this world, all the miles that you've traveled, all the times that you've shared Christ with somebody, everything that you've ever done, this seemed like, man, it was just discouraging and it didn't matter. Listen to the preacher this morning. It will matter on that day. And God sees everything that you do. He knows your labors. He knows your love for Him. And I want to tell you this morning, don't quit fighting the good fight of faith. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. There have been times in my life I've just had to bank on the Word of God. i got nothing else but the Word of God. Nothing else. You got a lost love when you're praying for, you fasted till you can't hardly fast anymore. You prayed till you don't know what else to pray. And then you prayed it over and over so many times that all of a sudden you've prayed it so many times, so many times you've prayed it, and now it just comes out naturally as if you're reciting something and, and, and you're thinking, is it even worth it? There have been times in my life I have had to just trust in the Word of God that we shall reap. That whatsoever a man sows, that shall he reap. And I not, might not be able to see the harvest today. I might not be able to see the fruit of my labors right now. I might be discouraged because I'm looking at the ground and hoping that something sprouts up out of that thing and there's nothing but dirt there. But I've got to trust God that if I've planted the Word of God, if I've did my part, that in due season, it's not my season, it's His season, that in due season, 
somehow, someway, every single seed that we sow, every single thing that we do, it reaps a harvest. And God says, don't give up. You just keep fighting. Therefore, as we have opportunity, an important lesson in my life that I learned at an early age in my faith was that opportunities pass. As we have opportunity. See, you don't always have opportunity. We talked last week, uh, or two weeks ago, at the conclusion of that series that we were going through about the need to yield to every inclination of the Spirit. Every opportunity that the Spirit's urging you to do good, you, you've got to do good. Because, guys, opportunities pass. Opportunities pass. My pastor from uh, where I was really brought up, Pastor Zane Brooks, he had a cousin that was wrapped up in drugs. And he, he had shared with him before the Gospel. He had shared with him before the truth that he needed to repent and turn to Christ. It's not as though they had never spoke, but he had never gotten really serious about sitting down with him and challenging him about his life. He had never gotten serious about sitting down and, and just challenging his cousin and, and pleading with him to come to Christ. And he thought to himself, I'll do it later. He's not in a stage of life where he's willing to listen right now. He doesn't want to hear anyways. And so, I'll just wait and I'll just wait. He got a phone call. The phone call nobody ever wants to get. Somebody on the other line says, Zane, your cousin has died from a drug overdose. His friends were there when he died. They pulled the shoes off of his feet. They stole his wallet and all the money in it. And they're gone. And I'll never forget Zane sharing that story with tears running down his eyes. Talking about the reality that opportunities pass. And Paul's reminding us this here. Don't give up. As we have opportunity, he says, do good to all. You know something? And then it says, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Paul makes a division between the Christians and the rest of the world. And he says this about all. He says, do good to all. There's nobody that we shouldn't do good to. There is nobody that we should not share the love of God with. There is nobody that we should not be working to bring to a saving faith in Jesus Christ. And then he says, but do good especially to those who are of the household of faith. This morning, I encourage you People who are working for God. Thank you for what you're doing. Keep fighting the good fight of faith. It is making a difference. But it's easy to grow weary. It's easy to want to give up. It's easy to think it doesn't matter. And this morning I want us to turn back to Psalm chapter 91. And I just want to share three sermon points with you this morning briefly. I chose Psalm 91 this morning because I thought about growing weary. I thought about being faithful to the call of God on our lives. and David knew what it was to be faithful to the call of God. David knew what it was to, to have to patiently wait on the fulfillment of God's promise in his life. David knew what it was to be successful at the calling of God on his life. David knew what it was to fail in the middle of success and to be broken before God. And David knew what it was to live his life out the rest of his life, still yet trying to be faithful to God, knowing that God is faithful to forgive, that God is good at all times, 
And if there's anybody who lived the life to be able to talk to us about discouragement, to be able to talk to us about how do I regain my strength when I'm weary? How do I get the attitude that I'm not going to give up? I'm not going to quit working for God. I'm not going to grow discouraged. I'm not going to grow negative. But I'm going to stay faithful to God to the very end. David is the man that we have to listen to this morning. David said, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. The first two things I want you to see as David began to write the name, the Most High, and the Almighty. These titles are significant. You see, our God, He's the Most High God. There's none higher than Him. There's none greater than Him. This morning you might be discouraged. You might be weary, but understand your God is the Most High God. There's nobody greater than He. There's nobody above Him. And you are in the hands of the Most High. The Bible calls Him the Almighty. That means He's all-powerful. There's none greater than Him. That all the devils in the world, all the people of the world can come together against the Almighty God. They can take all of their strength and they can bundle it together and it is still not greater than the strength of the Almighty God. And David says, He is on my side. He is the one that I serve. And because He's God, because He's the Most High, because He's the Most Powerful, because because He's the Almighty, I've got nothing to fear. God will take care of me. I want to preach three quick points. The shadow, the shelter, and the secret place. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Let's talk about the shadow first this morning. If you're going to abide under the shadow of the Almighty, you're going to have to learn to live so close to Him at all times that you never get far enough away that you're not underneath of His shadow. One of the most important things about learning how to stand fast in this, in this place of discouragement, about learning how to regain your strength when you grow weary, is remembering it's about a relationship with God. God just wants you to dwell with Him. God just wants you to be with Him. This morning, church, don't ever get so busy working for God that you forget to spend time with God. The whole purpose of everything we do is bringing people into a saving relationship with the God of heaven and earth. And we can, if we're not careful, we can become so busy trying to bring people into that relationship that we're not really working on our own relationship with God. Now, I might be the only person who has ever been guilty of that, but I'll tell you that I have been. And I'm telling you, it's easy in that place you're working and you, and, and, and you feel like, you know, I'm doing everything I can to bring people to God and I'm exhausting my life on the Gospel and I'm exhausting my life on teaching people and encouraging people and in preaching the Word. And you'll find if you don't be committed to being close to God and working on that relationship with Him, it begins to become dry. It begins to just something does not feel right. It begins to be discouraging. And you begin to question, what am I doing? And every time I've learned to stop... And draw near to God and just come up underneath of that shadow of His. All of a sudden, I'm reminded this is what it's about. You see, Christ did not die. We are created for good works. Christ did not die so that I could work myself to death. 
He ultimately died so that I could be in a relationship with Him. That's the purpose. That's the purpose. The shadow of God. Learning to live so close to God that His shadow becomes our shelter. You see, Christianity, the thing that separates Christianity from every other religion in the world, first of all, it's the only true religion. It's provable. It's identifiable. We serve a risen Savior, a Jesus who walked this earth, who was crucified on a cross, who was placed in a tomb, and who three days later come up out of the grave proving once and finally forevermore that He is who He said He is, the one and only Son of the Almighty God. But the thing that really separates Christianity from the rest of this world is it's not about religion. It's about a relationship. And I want to encourage you this morning, you, you, you workers of God, you who are committed to God's call on your life, whatever it may be, don't ever get so caught up in the work that you forget to spend time with God. Don't ever forget that the, the number one thing God wants with you is a relationship. Not just your time to do stuff. Not just you running over this direction and that direction and here and there and doing this and doing that. He wants you. He died for you because He loves you. We see the shadow. Secondly, this morning we see the shelter. The shelter of God. In verse 2, I will say the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My refuge and my fortress. He is a shelter. There's a great principle that you need to know. That is that those who live a life of communion with God are constantly safe under His protection. doesn't matter what you're going through. does not matter the persecution that's coming your way. When you live a constant life of communion with God, we are safe under His protection. And we can trust that no matter what befalls us, as we sang this morning, it is well with my soul. And I am in the center of the will of God. And whatever may happen to me, it cannot happen to me, lest God chooses to let it be so, because I am in communion with Him, I am sheltered by Him, I am under His wings, and He is protecting me. God shelters those who live a life of communion with Him. Understanding that I am in the fortress of God. Understanding that He is my stronghold. That, that He is my shield. That I am safe in Him. I have a right to a sound mind. You need to know that as a Christian. You have a right to a sound mind. And God wants you to have a sound mind. God does not want us to live fearful. He does not want us to live gripped by anxiety. He does not want us to live in constant fear. He wants us to know that He is good, that He is God, that He is able, that He is the Almighty, and that as we in His hands, we are safe and secure in all this world and all the devils of hell might come against us. But we have peace of mind because our God is able to deliver us and shelter us. Paul spoke of the peace that surpasses all understanding in Philippians 4.7. He spoke to Timothy about the security of mind in 2 Timothy 1 and verse 7. He said, we are, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. In verse 14, where it begins to switch to God speaking to the child of God. 
We see that in return for our love for God and our willingness to be in communion with Him, that the Lord promises to rescue us from danger, to protect us from harm, to be with us in trouble, to honor us and to satisfy us. You know, that's what God wants to do with each and every one of His children. He is a God of infinite love. One of the shortest, most precise statements in all the Bible is simply the statement, God is love. That's what He is. It is His nature. It is, it is in Him. He cannot be anything other than love. God is a loving God and He desires to protect us. He desires to keep us from danger. It's the shelter of God that will protect our minds from the enemy's accusations. Ultimately, that's what makes us want to give up. We start thinking the things of the enemy. Oh, it's not worth it. It doesn't matter. You might as well give up because it's not going to make any difference. You know, it'd be easier to just take this road. It'd be easier to compromise. It'd be easier to give up. It doesn't pay to serve God. Listen to the preacher this morning. Yes, it does. It pays to serve God. It makes a difference to be faithful to Him in all of your ways. God is a God of love. He is a God of goodness. He is a God of power. He is a God of might. And there is nothing you could ever do with your life better than surrender to His will for you and to say, God, wherever you lead, I will follow. Whatever you say, I will do. I will be faithful to you. It matters and it pays to serve God. But it's when we get away from God, it's when we get away from that quiet place, it's when we get away from dwelling in the secret place, and we get outside of that shadow that all of a sudden you'll find our mind does not seem protected anymore. The accusations of the enemy seem to make more sense than they did before. It's important we learn to to be in that shelter of God. We see the idea of a thousand falling at one side, ten thousand at your right, but it shall not come near you. I've seen it. Destruction that might lay thousands in defeat will not destroy the truly believing Christian. Destruction that would lay this world to the side. Destruction that would make thousands just give up. Not for the believer. Not for the one who truly trusts in God. Not for the one who's able to say, God, I don't understand it all. I know that Your ways are higher than my ways, but I know that You're good. I know that You're God. And no matter what comes my way, You are faithful and I will be faithful to You. And I have watched many of children of God go through things in their life they could not explain. Go through pains and struggles. It might be the the loss of a loved one. It might be a child that's gone astray. It might be a situation in your life that's come in circumstances that everything just spiraled out of control and it seemed like there was no hope. But somehow, some way, when they get their eyes off of the storm, when they get their eyes off of everything going on around them, and they get their focus on heaven, and they look Jesus eye to eye, if you will, spiritually speaking, and they look at their Savior, and all of a sudden the peace that the rest of the world has never known, it begins to flood their soul. And there's a quiet confidence that says, I don't understand it all. I don't have all the answers. But I know who holds the future. And I know that God loves me. And I know that God's good. 
and I'm going to be sheltered through this storm. I'm going to come out on the other side and I'm going to come out stronger than before I went in. Destruction that might lay thousands in defeat will not affect a trusting believer. Here's what I want you to know about the shelter of God this morning. Can I say that I do believe God wants us to prosper? I do believe that God wants us to be blessed the same way any of us want our children to be blessed. I mean, by a show of hands, how many like to see your children suffer? You know, how many hope that your children grow up to be impoverished and to live their life in lack? None of us. And God said, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who who ask Him? So I believe that God desires to prosper His children. I believe that God desires uh, to give us good things. But understand something. That doesn't necessarily mean God wants every one of us in here to be millionaires. It doesn't necessarily mean that God wants every one of us in here to have more cars than our neighbor, a bigger house than the people to the left or the right. That's not the prosperity necessarily that the Word of God is speaking about. We have to be careful not to take the modern American day culture of prosperity and success and launch the meanings of those words into the Bible when it tells us God wants us to prosper and be successful. But I want you to understand something about shelter. There's never been a shelter in the history of the world that kept the rain from falling from the sky. There's never been a tornado shelter that caused tornadoes to go a different direction. The only thing a good shelter can do is bring us inside when it's raining and pouring and when it's dangerous out there. And and, and while it still rains and it still pours, somehow we're safe. And that's the way it is with God. Sometimes it's going to rain and it's going to pour. Sometimes it's just going to be hard. And, and you're going to grow weary. But I'm telling you, inside of Christ, somehow, some way, we, we, we roll up inside of Him much like a, sometimes a scared child inside the arms of his father or mother. And we just know that it's still scary out there. It's still raining. It doesn't make sense. I want it to go away. I want the clouds to part. I want the sun to come out. I want it to feel safe. But it doesn't feel safe. But somehow, some way, I know when I crawl up into the arms of my father, he's going to shelter me. He is big enough to weather the storm. He is big enough to handle whatever's going on. He doesn't share the same fear that I share. He is not controlled by the same things I'm controlled by. He is the eternal Creator God. He is the Maker of heaven and earth. He is the One to whom every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. And when it's pouring in my life and the rain is coming down and the storm is bearing in, I can crawl up into Him and know that this storm is going to pass. But until it does, I am safe in the arms of my Savior. He's a shelter this morning. Amen. The psalmist mentions many kinds of dangers. In verse chapter 91, danger that comes by day, danger that comes by night, danger that comes in the darkness, danger that comes in the noonday. That's the brightest part. All all that he's trying to say is that every type of danger, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, whatever you're facing, every type of danger that we face, 
our God is able to deliver. We have the shadow, we have the shelter, and we have the secret place. Something that you need to understand this morning as I share my last point is that being in that shadow and, 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 and knowing you're safe in the shelter of God, it actually requires something of us. It requires that we dwell in the secret place. Look at verse, nine, verse 1. He who dwells in the secret place. This is so important that you understand about Psalm 91. It is only written to one person. He who dwells in the secret place. If you don't dwell in the secret place, this doesn't apply to you. If you do not dwell in the secret place of God, all these promises are not yours. He who dwells in the secret place. That word dwell, it means to continually abide. It's not that I run to it when the storm comes. It's that I dwell there. It's that I live there. It's not that I wait until my life is falling apart and then I go to God and look for God for help, but it's that I have such a deep love for God and a willingness to live my life with Him because He is good and because He is God. It is that continual dwelling that makes the difference. I've seen people and they think to themselves, well, you know, I'll get right with God when... Can I just be frank? No, you won't. Until you really understand how much you need Him, period, at all times, you're not going to truly come to Him just when everything falls apart. People who put God off, most of them put Him off a lifetime. And we see here that God wants us to dwell in the secret place. Of everything I'm going to tell you, this is the most important point. Notice where the place is. Notice, any of you who have any capacity of ministry whatsoever in your life, even if you're just committed to to being a witness in your workplace, listen carefully to the preacher right now. It's the secret place that matters. It's not everything that's done in front of everyone. The most important thing I do in my life has very little to do with what I'm doing right now here standing in front of 150 of you. It's about the secret place. It's about when it is just me and God and it's no one else and you're not there and no one else is there and my children aren't there and my wife isn't there and it's just me and it's just God. And then it says, He who dwells there. Hey, can we be honest? Sometimes it's hard to find that place. Especially in this world. Where we go 100 miles an hour and it's all, there's noise all the time and there's stuff to do all the time. And there's not enough hours in the day to get done what you need to do. There's not enough hours in the night to get enough sleep to get caught up. And we just go and we just go and we just go and we just go. And God says there's a secret place to be had. God said, just trust me with your time a little bit, child. Give me some of it. I can supernaturally do more with 90% of your time than you can with 100% of it. Take some time today to dwell with me in the secret place. 
where you can hear from me, where you can pour your heart out to me, where we can just sit there in the solitude of silence and love one another. And the promise is this. Here's the promise. He who dwells there in the secret place. It's the character of the true believer that he dwells in the secret place of the Most High. Now, I want to ask you this morning, and I want to encourage you this morning, I want to challenge you this morning to ask yourself, how committed are you to the secret place? How committed to you to, are you to abiding with God every day in the secret place? Because these promises are to you when you do. And can I just speak to you real life? How about this? Don't beat yourself up if you're not there today. And don't think that just because you are there, if you are there, that somehow automatically you're going to be there forever. I mean, life happens. Things get busy. And then all of a sudden you've got to stop and say, man, I mean, I was in the secret place for months. I was committed to my prayer. I was committed to my Bible study. It was me and God and we had our thing going. And then I had a busy week and I thought, well, it's just a week. And then I kind of got in the habit. And before I know it, three or four months down the road, that closeness and that nearness with God that I once used to have, it just it seems to be fleeting. Hey, be man enough, be woman enough to acknowledge it, to, to speak it to God. God already knows it anyway, so you might as well just agree with Him about what we're doing wrong and about what the sin is in our life. He already knows. Just agree with Him. Acknowledge it and say, God, let's just get it back on track. And pick it back up and get back into dwelling in that secret place. The true believer is at home in God. He's at home in God. The most comfortable place in your life should be the secret place with God. There should be nowhere in your entire life you feel more comfortable. You know, so many in the church, they're more comfortable talking about football than they are talking about God. They're more comfortable talking about what girls talk about than talking about God. Whatever it is. I was really trying to think of something and there was nothing there. So, whatever it is that girls think about. Comfortable talking about work. Comfortable in, in, in those environments. But uncomfortable in the secret place with God. And I want you to know that God's desire for the true believer is to be at home in God. I mean, that's home. That's where I can kick off the shoes and I can lay back and I don't have to, you know, dress this way so that some of you think I look like a pastor. I don't have to be this way or I don't have to be that way. I can just be at home. God says, I want you to be home in me. The true believer, he returns to God. I wish I could tell you, and maybe there are some super spiritual superheroes who have done it. But I don't know any, and I confess as I stand here before you, I'm not one of them either. I've had to return to God. I, I, there's times I've just had to stop and realize, whoa, man, you're going too fast. You're doing too much. You've got to slow down and remember... God did not save you to run around like a chicken with your head cut off until you can't do it anymore. He wants a relationship with you 
all this is for nothing if you don't learn to do the very thing, if you're not committed to doing the very thing that you're trying to teach everybody else about. Knock it off, slow it down, and spend some time with God. I've had to do that. More than once, more than twice, more than I like to admit. But I'm here to tell you the true believer, he, he is at home in God. He returns to God. He finds his rest in God. Trust me, there's really not rest anywhere else. Only in Him. Just as the body must get physical rest, or it becomes disillusioned, it becomes weak, it does not function right, so too in our spiritual lives, if we do not get rest, if we do not learn to pull away from the work and just rest in God, we will become disillusioned, we will become weary, we will not function right. The true believer who abides in the secret place of God, he worships within the veil. He worships within the veil. Within the veil, it represented the place of God. God has torn the veil. You know what that means? It means He wants us to have free access to Him. Oh, the thought of the reality that the veil has been torn, that God has opened to the world with arms wide open, saying through Jesus Christ the world can enter. You can know Me. You can press into the Holy of Holies. You can press into the secret place of God. The veil has been torn. And yet to think, all of us, myself included, how little we take that blessed truth and apply it to our own lives. How little we access the greatest privilege man has ever known. And that is to press into the precious presence of God Himself. The character of a true believer loves to be alone with God. Loves to be alone with God. To have a conversation with God in solitude. We must learn to abide in the secret place. That requires quantity and quality time. I, always, I say this about parents, fathers, with their, especially uh, working fathers with their children, but mothers as well. You can't have quality time without quantity time. There is no such thing. There really is no difference between the two. It's possible to have quantity time and it not be quality. But you can't really have quality time if you're not giving time. It's, you've got to give your children time. You've got to give God time. Quantity time. Quality time with the Lord. Learning to hear that still, small voice. And there has to be a time. See, it's in the secret place that God has our undivided attention. There have been times I didn't want to go to the secret place because I pretty much knew what God was going to say. After 14 years of serving God, I've learned a lot about Him. I've, I know Him better today than I've ever known Him before, and I pray that 14 years down the road I can make that exact same statement. Do you ever have that really good friend that always gives you good advice? or Maybe it's a parent, uh, it's just someone that you know is going to tell you the truth, and you're kind of not doing the right thing, and so you just don't want to talk to the person. Hey, I get that way with God sometimes. I know what He's going to say. But I've got to learn to press into that place and just listen to Him. Because what God wants is my undivided attention. He just wants me. 
He doesn't want you beside me talking to the two of us at the same time. I thank God for event, you know, church and, and times where God speaks to all of us. But just like God wants just me and just my ears, He wants just you and just your ears. And there's blessed peace that comes from learning to live in the shadow of God, to live in the shelter of God, by learning to abide in the secret place of God. I'm going to ask our worship team to come this morning. I want to say to those of you who are committed to the Gospel, hey, it's making a difference. Don't give up. Don't look to the left. Don't look to the right. Do not stop. Don't grow weary, because know this, in due season we're going to reap a harvest. Know that there is a day when God, who will judge all that has ever been, will reward those who have been faithful with their calling. This morning, if you're weary, if you're discouraged, can I encourage you, return to the secret place. Return to the shadow of God. Return to the shelter of God. And maybe you're here this morning, and if you're honest, you'd say, I don't even know the shelter. I don't even know the shadow. I don't even really know that I'm a follower of God, that I'm saved. Please don't leave this morning. Not getting your heart right with God. Today's the day of salvation. You need to know there is a real God in heaven. His Son is Jesus Christ, and He loves you. He has shown His love for you by sending His Son to die on your behalf. He loves you this morning. And if you're here and you need to be saved, we invite you to come. We invite you to join us and kneel and just give your heart to God this morning. Turn from your sins. Turn to the living God. Father, I pray that You'd move all across this room in Jesus' name. God, I pray that You'd encourage each and every man and woman in this place that's committed to You to not grow weary to keep fighting the good fight of faith. Help us learn from David. Help us to learn from David that the secret to this thing, the secret to success is learning to abide in the secret place. It's there we find shelter. Living so near to You that we never come away from Your shadow. God, move this morning. Encourage Your people. Mm -hmm.